Are we? Hello. We are excited to welcome Spencer Israel to the inaugural edition of the Raz Report. Spencer Israel is an editor and a producer of the Pre-Market Prep and an editor at Benzinga. Spencer, thank you for coming on today. Jason, am I the first uh, Raz Report guest? Uh, as of now, unless Mitch deletes you out, one of our editors out of out of PostProd. So as of now, I'm honored. I'm honored. Thanks for yeah, that. Ho hopefully, it doesn't get a, stick on the cutting room floor. Floor, <laughs> but uh, Spencer, you're at Benzinga. How many years have you been at Benzinga for? Uh, five years. Five years. Five years. Okay. Yeah. And you have an exciting role, but I want to take people back to where you're from. Okay. You're Benzinga is headquartered in Michigan, but you're not from Michigan. Where Where are no. you from? I am from the great state of New Jersey. Uh, I I was one of the few uh, Benzinga employees. I don't know if I still am, but I used to be one of the few Benzinga employees not from Michigan. Uh, so yeah, I moved out uh, from New Jersey to Michigan in uh, the fall of 2015, Labor Day weekend, uh, and the rest is history. Got it. And how did you hear of Benzinga? Oh gosh, I don't even really remember. All right. Well, um, I I think I heard about you. It was a friend, a friend of the family, uh, a, okay. a friend of my dad's. I, I don't really remember, but uh, one thing led to another, and I, I next thing I knew, I had a car full of stuff, and I was on the road. So funny, five years ago. So yeah. you were you're from Jersey. Were mm -hmm. you interested in the like growing up? Like, what was your what was your passion? What were you passionate about? Yeah, were you a yeah. golfer, basketball? Were you the starting basketball point guard at your high school? I was the starting quarterback and starting point guard and starting pitcher. No, uh, I I had always, you know, I loved sports growing up and realized early on, uh, like most uh, Jewish kids do, that uh, I couldn't you know, earn a living playing sports, but I could potentially uh, by writing about sports. And I was always a good writer. I always liked to write. Uh, so I, I had thought that I was going to be in the sports media, work for, and I, I had various internships that reflect that, uh, USA Today, Sports Illustrated, Baltimore Sun, and I, I had thought that my path was uh, to be in the sports media. And I had, working in financial media was, was not on my radar at all uh, until Benzinga, and against all odds, I actually discovered that I, that I love it. I actually love it more that I love working in sports media, financial media is way more interesting. So that's sort of it, how I ended up. It's funny, you know, you just, you try something, you never know you if it's going to be your passion. I remember my sister yeah. was a horseback rider and I went horseback riding with them a couple of times. It didn't work out for me. I didn't yeah. like it, you know, but this thing you liked. Um, yeah, I, so, I didn't think I would ever do anything other than sports, but here we are. And I don't ever want to go back. Yep. No. Um, so then you, where'd you go to college? Uh, University of Maryland. So I'm. Uh, New what Jersey. was your major? I majored in journalism. So uh, journalism was always in the cards for me. It was always what I wanted to do: uh, writing, online media in some cross-platform type of way. Uh, but I always knew that journalism was going to be in the cards. It was just a question of of how and 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 doing and covering what. Okay. Spencer. Yeah. yeah, this is what okay. happens. So w did you do like internships though? You're at Maryland, you were yeah. uh, in high school, you liked journalism. Did you work for your yearbook? Were you the editor? Mm -hmm. Give me that. I want to like hear how this I, happens. Oh man. So back when newspapers were a thing, I wrote for uh, my local newspaper. They had a section called the teen scene and it was specifically for uh, kids in the high school, you know, who were interested in, in journalism and you could write articles. 
and they got published from the paper. So that was my pro. I was did that, that your was, local paper or the high yeah, school paper? Yeah, oh, that, that's was my, cool. that was my local paper. I did that when I was uh, 16, I think. How often uh, did you have a post in or how many posts, like a bunch? Um, I think it was like through four or five articles. My first article was all about uh, parents being on Facebook and how I was so angry that parents uh, were on Facebook. It was, it, I couldn't imagine it being for anything other than kids. But so yeah, uh, teen scene and uh, worked for this uh, school paper, obviously went to college, had internships at, let's see, uh, USA Today, uh, Sports Illustrated, Baltimore Sun, uh, then another local paper. Um, and worked at the local radio, the college radio station, did that. Uh, so, I, you know, I made my way around the industry a little bit. Did, did you get exposure at those publications other than the teen scene to write articles and be published on the mm -hmm. site of all the time? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, w one of the coolest things, I was, uh, I was on my way home from uh, spring break and we stopped to get gas. And in the gas station was USA Today. Uh, and I knew that I had written an article that was going to be published. I just didn't know when. And they, they, it was like their special um, college football preview or something. I don't remember what. And I was in the gas station. I was just digging through the newspaper, and my article was in there. That's and cool. I was like, huh, this is awesome. That's cool. And that's <laughs> like, you know, we published a lot of newspapers, and yeah. seeing our name in the press is very cool. Uh, that's cool. Never gets old. Never gets yeah. old. Did you save that paper? Uh, I have several copies, yes. <laughs> okay, you have it somewhere. So I want to make sure. Somewhere, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I'll make sure you have copies, digital yep. copies, yep. in case something happens. Yep. Okay, so then you go to Maryland and you journalism is your major the whole way through. Did you think that you may go to law school or did you think or you're always wanted to be journalist? No, I, I actually, it's funny because I did flirt with the idea of switching to business at the last second. Um, I flirted with that for a couple of days, but then I thought, no, let's just do journalism and I'll see where that takes me. Uh, a lot of, I do have several friends that used uh, journalism school, you know, as a, as a gateway to law school uh, or other master's programs. But um, I, not to say I didn't necessarily want to do that, but I, I, I didn't think that far ahead. I kind of just thought, okay, I'll do this and I'll see where it takes me. Got it. Uh, when, well, how old were you when you moved to Michigan? I'm, I'm, well, I'm 29 now. Uh, okay. So I, 24? I was 24. When I, when I moved. How has Detroit and Michigan been for you over the years? Like that's a, that's a pretty big change from Jersey. Mm -hmm. What part of Jersey were you in? Uh, I'm from Central Jersey, which uh, okay. you know is a thing. Some people might say it's not, but Central Jersey definitely exists and it is real. Uh, I grew up about you know 40 minutes from New York City, an hour from Philadelphia, uh, and Michigan has been Detroit is fantastic. Um, I, I don't live in Detroit anymore. I moved out to the, to the suburbs a couple years ago, but you know I lived in Detroit, and it's funny because even in the three years I lived in Detroit drive past neighborhoods uh, and they would they would they would have changed since I was last there and if I drive past the house where I first moved to the neighborhood is totally different now from when I lived there and that was only five years ago and the neighborhood has a park and it's totally different and revitalized and that's really cool because having not been here for that long I can already say oh man I've seen the recovery which is weird but so you've seen you've seen a Detroit recovery resurgence over oh, yeah. the years for sure, definitely. People people made fun of me. My friends were like, "Why are you going to Detroit of all places?" But my answer was, "Why not?" So, no, I mean that's like, I like your attitude, and I guess we'll migrate to Benzinga and work. You've been here. You were with us five years ago, and you you're here today. What has been the biggest change you've seen at our company? I mean, the culture has definitely changed. Five years ago, I think we identified 
as more of a of a startup and that we things were definitely a little freewheeling. There wasn't necessarily as much structure uh, and processes as, as there is now. Um, but as we've grown, as is that gotten, bad? Like that there's more of these processes? And... No, I think it's just a sign of maturation a little bit, right? Uh, okay. we, you know, we've been around now for 10 years. And so in the five years that I've been with the company, we, we've matured, we, we, we have systems, we have processes, yep. we've brought in new people uh, from other industries, from people who have, you know, real experience uh, and know how to, how to do their jobs. Uh, so definitely a little bit, um, you know, and that comes also with moving to being downtown Detroit, being, you know, in, yep. in a place of business, in, in, a, in, a, in an office building uh, surrounded by Quicken. Uh, you know, it comes with that, but definitely like more mature as a company than we were when I first got. Yeah, here. in an urban setting. I mean, we're For right, sure. we're sure. right downtown. Right. right. Um, do you do you, um, like I have this thing like work hard, play hard, or build hard. I don't like to use the word work. Um, do you have the ability to create stuff here um, on a daily basis? If, yeah, if that, that was that was one of the weird things that that, that took some getting used to was the, the idea that um, I could, if I wanted to, I could just do something. And so I remember one of the first projects that I had here, uh, it was the, that me getting that project was the result of me just knocking on your door and saying, hey, can I listen to this call that's about to happen? And you said, sure. And so there was like 10 people in the room and the call ended and you looked around and you're like, okay, who can, who can do what we just talked about? And people were like, no, I'm busy or stuff. No, no, no. And it got to me and I was like, I got nothing else to do. I'll, I'll do it. I had nothing else to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> and that was, and that was the start of it. Yeah. And it, it, me just asking if I could listen to a phone call, it was it sort of became my first project. Uh, and you know, so that, that was, took a little bit of getting used to coming from uh, the world of media where things, things can be very rigid and structured uh, in terms of what you do on a day-to-day -day basis and your responsibilities. It, it, the, the idea that I could just start something if I wanted to do it was, was an adjustment. Yeah, and I want to remind our guests, we have Spencer Israel with us, who's an editor at Benzinga, also the producer of Pre-Market Prep, the show from 8 to 9 a.m., premarketprep.benzinga.com. You can also go to premarket.benzinga.com. Um, and Spencer's been here for five years, moved here from Jersey, lives in Michigan now, and has, has seen everything. And I know you said knocked on my door, but... I maybe used to have a door. Now I sit out in the, yeah. um, in the, whatever you call it, the area where everyone sits. Um, now I have a couple random questions. So is there a, a, what was your first or worst job? Like some of the answers I've gotten were people that they had to clean the garbage, the garbage is at the end of elementary, at the end of an elementary school day. Yeah. Um, I got a lot of interesting ones. If you don't have any, um, then just give me your first job. Either I know, I'll, I'll think of a, I'll think of a better one. I'm sure half hour from now after the fact. Uh, or your job, first job, make it easy. Yeah, um, my first job was was I got paid under the table to be a soccer referee. Uh, I got paid straight cash every weekend, 15, 10, 15 bucks a game. Uh, I don't even think that's under to, the table. To, to, to referee, no, I literally used to get like an envelope of cash. Like, oh, okay, that's funny. Yeah, at the end that's of the funny. day. That's funny. And you and you're like good at soccer. You knew how to ref it. I, I mean, I played a little growing up and I, I knew the rules. Uh, and, it, you know, as long as you're, you know, three, four, five years older than the kids, you know, it's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and how, how long did you do that for? Uh, I think like a couple of years. Uh, I, my first real job where, you know, I got a paycheck, uh, I, I was a, a summer lifeguard. At the local you were? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so you're, yeah. Like, you're like a good swimmer and all that stuff? 
I mean, you know, shallow water park only five feet deep. You, you yeah, got have it. To, you, you, you have to be able to. You have to just know how to swim, pretty much. Did you save any lives? Uh, no, you know, the closest I ever came was uh, I did have to jump in. Uh, a, a little kid got swept up in the in the lazy river and uh, was having a, a hard time, and so I just had to run okay. ahead of him in the river and jump in and let Save. him let him come to me. Saving lives. Um, yeah. Okay, now a couple quick things. You mentioned Facebook and um, parents on Facebook five years ago or, or eight years ago, oh. and you were annoyed with parents on it. What's your take on Facebook these days? Uh, well, I think Facebook is, I mean, I, I wrote that article, I think, in 2005, so 2006, 2007. I don't remember when, but things have changed a lot uh, since then. Um, my take on Facebook is that they, well, they have a, a duopoly, right, with Google in terms of the digital advertising market. It's not, it's not their fault that they're so good at it and they, that they control such a large audience. Um, I, I, I think they, you know, they clearly command a lot of attention uh, and they have a massive user base. Uh, I, but I'm a little concerned that the regulators are going to take, take a harder look at, at the company and their reach and, you know, spinoffs can be good things. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if the government came and said, hey, you need to spin off WhatsApp. You need to spin off Instagram. Um, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, but, you know, Facebook could just spin it off and use it to raise more money. So Okay. And but uh, I know it was 15 years ago, but now are you okay with parents on Facebook? <laughs> Ironically, uh, sure, yeah. I am not really on Facebook anymore. Uh, actually, about, about a month ago, I... I deactivated my account, uh, or no, I, su I suspended my account. So I can still go back there if I choose to, but for now, I, I, I'm not signed in. Um, it's off my phone, and my account is deactivated. So it's interesting. I, Spencer, yeah. I maybe go to Facebook once every few weeks or every. I didn't go for three months, yeah. And now I go for like maybe yeah. once, like, and I spend, I spend less than five minutes. Every two weeks, I mean, not even crazy, right? Yeah, crazy, I, crazy I, I do look at Instagram though. Yeah, well, it's yeah. So I, I kind of miss the Instagram boat, but it is funny how I feel like I, I felt like that I grew up on Facebook to an extent, uh, and I just wasn't getting any value out of it anymore. You know, aside from same way, I, I think Facebook is about bragging. That's what I think. Yeah, and you know, keeping tabs on your friends' birthdays. Uh, but, That's right. Uh, um, but you know, I wasn't getting any value, so I, you know, I deactivated it, and I, I could always go back if I want to, but I see no, I see no reason to do that right now. All right, that's, that's interesting. And do you use like TikTok or any of those other applications? Uh, my, my, well, no, no, I don't use TikTok. I am addicted to Twitter and to Reddit, uh, and I use both of those for my news. And I could never quit either of those things, unfortunately. Um, Facebook so far has been a pretty easy thing to quit. Would you be willing to pay Twitter a monthly fee? Yeah, I've thought about that. Um, I probably I say no now, but if push came to shove and I was forced to, I'd probably do. Okay, that's good. Twitter, if you're out there listening, send Spencer a bill. He'll pay. <laughs> okay, I know we're trying. I, I to just get... don't know if I have a choice. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. Um, okay. Anything? Uh, a couple more. La two more questions or three more questions. A day in the life of Spencer Israel at Benzinga. Sure. And you don't have to give exact details, but just okay. general themes of what you do and then what gets you excited about the future of the company, I guess. All right. I get in the office. First thing I do is hop into Benzinga Pro. I look at what stocks are up, what stocks are down. Uh, from around 7, 6.45 to 7.45 in the morning, I'm just 
looking at news, overnight headlines, what did I miss from the day before, what, what happened overnight, uh, figuring out what stocks are moving, uh, and what we're going to talk about on pre-market prep that day. Uh, so I do my prep for an hour, I set up the show, uh, talk with Joel and Dennis, uh, sort of map out what we're going to talk about for the day, what, you know, what's in the news, what stocks are moving, what trades did we see, uh, and just sort of map that out. So my the first few hours of my day is the prep and then the actual show itself. Uh, and then from around 9.15 to, uh, you know, 9.45, that's my, you know, my catch up, my, my email, my map out my daytime. Uh, and then we, I've got a, a daily meeting at that time. And then uh, from the, pretty much from 10 until 3 is editing, writing, research, uh, communicating with clients, uh, just doing uh, all, the, all the things I have to do as, as an editor, as the person who oversees Benzinga's. Uh, partner content, uh, just writing content for third parties, making sure we're republishing what we need to re republish, uh, just sort of doing all the things we need to do to, to sort of oversee that part of, uh, of our editorial department. And then uh, we do a little uh, afternoon show, 340 to 4 uh, on YouTube, Joel Elkanen and myself. And from 4 until the end of the day, it's back to editing, writing, research, whatever I need to do to... to... Okay, okay. Um, any... Last things you want to add? I know we went over our limit, but I, you know, we'll see what Mitch does. No, and it's really this is weird for me because I'm usually the one asking the questions, uh, and I can count on one hand the, the number of times that I've been interviewed before. Uh, so I hope I made you proud. You did. This is weird for me too. I realized there's some things that are harder than I thought because I sometimes <laughs> get the questions asked. Like I definitely did not say your name and what you do here enough. So if someone just popped in, I guess Mitch can put on the bottom Spencer Israel, yeah. you know, and your Twitter and all that stuff, but. I didn't do any of that stuff. Everyone always thinks it's easy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. Like, why don't you say their name more times? This is Spencer Israel. Let's get that straight. No, you are great. Really excited to have you on the Raz Report. And we'd love to um, keep you, uh, you know, keep apprised of your progress here. And maybe in three months, you come back on and tell us something new you build or built or some traffic numbers or something that you're excited about. So I'd love to keep the door open. If you think I'm an okay interviewer, then we can, you know, have you on again in about 90 days or yeah. less. Well, I'll come in. I'll come back when my beard gets like down to here. Are you ever going to cut that? Probably not. All right. Well, thank you for coming on, Spencer. We'll right. talk to you later. Have a good day. Thanks a lot, Russ. All right. I'm really excited to welcome to the Raz Report, Jonathan Mallard, sales manager of Benzinga Pro. Jonathan, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me here, Jason. Yeah. So um, it looks like you're standing on the, the floor, like in the office. Is that correct? Yep. This is where the magic happens. Now, where is everyone, dude? Yeah, we have a, a lot of people working remote, but uh, you know, there's five to 10 people here on a daily basis, uh, you know, holding yeah. down the fort. Yep. But usually no, no COVID. You got a bit, you got a big crew there. Yep. Okay. So we're going to get into the Benzinga stuff and why Jonathan Mallard's here and why he's standing on the floor today. But I just want to take people back for a few minutes to where you came from. Just like, where are you from? Where, you know, what state, where you grew up and um, like high school you went to a little bit of that and like what your passion was growing up. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Dearborn, Michigan, just outside of Detroit. Uh, that's the headquarters of Ford Motor Company. And uh, yeah, I grew up going to a, a small uh, private Christian school. So, you know, one of 14 kids in my class wow. growing up. So that's kind of unusual. Um, then I went to Dearborn High School, 
one of three public high schools in Dearborn. So go Pioneers. Was that a was that a tough thing to transition from a small school to such a big school? It was the best thing ever because I was super weird in like middle school, had no friends, and then all of a sudden joined marching band and got all into music and theater and in uh, high school and it was a blast. Wait, so you're not super weird anymore? I mean, it depends on who you ask. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, but so, but it, it was the best thing ever. So it wasn't like kids picked on you and stuff. When you go from a school of 14, I mean, that's like a rude awakening. Right, right. But for me, it was a good thing. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you got yeah. into music, singing, all that stuff. So can yeah. you sing? Uh, sometimes. I'm, I'm not very good with lyrics. My wife always makes fun of me because she knows the lyrics better than I do. Like what was your favorite high school song back in the day? I mean, uh, I was always listening to 89X, so, so like alternative rock, and uh, went to 89X Birthday Bash, and I was, then um, I was in West Side Story, the musical. Perfect. That's where I was going. So sing me a note from West Side Story. <laughs> um, I guess uh, one that a lot of people would know would be like, wait, 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 no, hold on, hold on. Don't do that. I want you to, if we're going to be here, again, we, we go hard at Benzinga. We work hard, we play hard, we go hard. So I want you to take a second, feel that stomach muscle pull up, and give it a, a note. I want the people in the office next door to hear you with that note. Let's go. Give it a note, Jonathan I'm Mallard. Gonna, I'm going to make Alan go deaf over we here. Live, but, we uh... live one life. It's okay. <laughs> Let him freak out. But that's what this is about. Let's go. Come on. Put that mic close and let's pump it out. <laughs> See, this is the thing with the lyrics, but I mean, it's just one word, right? It's yeah, just one Maria. word. Uh, um, now I'm I'm forgetting it, but uh, Maria, 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 Maria. That is good. Clap it up. That's what we're talking about. It's <laughs> we're talking about it's Josh Groban, Jonathan Mallard. I don't know the difference. Let's get this on YouTube and get this to go viral. We take that note a little stronger. We get we get we get um Ryan Faluna to play his guitar. We got a band here. That was awesome. Awesome. And no fear. You're in front of people. That was awesome. Okay. So you go to high school and you're in music, you're singing. Do you do any sports? I ran cross country, a wow. uh, little bit of track. What was your mile mile time? Sorry. Mile time. I was running like six minute miles uh, when I was in good shape. Six minute miles. So not not fast like John G, but uh, wow, he okay. could do a lot faster. Okay. He ran uh, like a four minute mile. Yeah. Holy cow! That's yeah, like he's Carl fast. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. I'll get four minutes around the track once, maybe. <laughs> like I'll take that all day. I'm trying to get back to that. Okay, so you're in high school, then like you're graduating. Now you're at graduation stage. What's what's next for you? What were you thinking? Yeah, so I was going to be a music major in college. I played trombone and all of that. Um, and then just switched plans and decided to work for a nonprofit in Texas for a couple of years. Um, so they did like, uh, Christian how'd you, how'd you find the nonprofit in Texas? That's so they did these stadium events, uh, one of which was at Ford field here in Detroit. So, uh, you know, a bunch of like church youth groups going with, with like bands and speakers for a weekend. And it was the parent organization of that, uh, okay. company basically. Got it. And so you found it and then you didn't go to college. You went to this thing for two years in Texas. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that was, it was pretty wild. We were out there just, uh, you know, it was us. And then like the lot right next to us just was the biggest cattle ranch in East Texas. So there's more cattle than people in that area. 
Wow. Okay. So you know how to like get cattle, like round them up and stuff. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't involved in that, but, no, uh, but I thought maybe you like would see it and you would learn. I'm just, I right, just want right. to know in case we ever have a cattle outbreak in Detroit, we can call yeah, you never you, but, know, but you, you, but, know. you don't, but you don't know that. Okay. I wish you, you know, okay. That next time, did you move back here after the Texas two year trip? Yeah. So I moved back to Dearborn, um, went to U of M Dearborn for business. Um, and then, uh, basically dropped out after a couple of years and was just working at Panera. Um, and I also worked for a credit union and then ended up working for a church, a Presbyterian church as a youth pastor for about four years. And that's where I met my wife. So you met your wife at Michigan Dearborn or, or after the program you said? So uh, she was actually on a trip to Dearborn to work, uh, do some construction work with a college group on okay. the church. Yep. And so I was friends with some people there and, we met and it was kind of funny. I think three different couples, like with guys from Dearborn and girls from Ypsilanti all ended up getting married within the next five years following. That's that. hilarious. How long, yeah. wait, was she like doing this construction thing for like, you saw her many times? Is that like? It was like an alternative spring break trip thing. So uh, we were, we just like uh, worked together on that project for a few days yep. and I became friends with her and a bunch of other people. So I'm going to digress for a little bit, and I, I think it's important. So you mentioned like three guys, and they got married from that. Meeting your wife, a lot of people met their wives at work. Like that's because they're with them all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, now there's changes because of the social dynamic in a workplace. It's interesting. Like what you met your wife is a total reasonable way to meet your wife, and I just don't know if that's going to happen as much when people are doing work together. Like, I mean, you guys were working a little bit together. You were doing that, and I just don't know. You know what I mean? Like. Think yeah, change? I mean, it's crazy. Like I, it's a whole different world these days. Like fast forward one decade and everything's different with all the apps and stuff. It, it's yeah. And so there's a lot of other ways people to meet. That's, that's true. That's true. See, we got a little Joe Rogan in us. We little migrate and move around a little bit. So um, it's okay. So then you meet your wife, you get married and where, where are you at in life? Like you were doing stuff, more volunteering church related stuff. Yeah. So I was working basically part-time for the church. Um, then I got back into school, uh, went to be an economics major because they wanted me to retake 15 credits. And I was like, forget that. Um, so I was an econ major, still working for the church. We got married and then, uh, I graduated from college. You did. So we, we was, had it Michi- our... was it Michigan Dearborn? Yep. You okay, Dearborn. Cool. And then, uh, uh, we had our first, uh, child. We had Congrats. our son, um, all in the same week. So, uh, those big changes there. That was a big week. Yeah. That was a big week. Gra- son graduated. And yeah. so now were you like, what the heck am I going to do? Or were you like, did you have a path when you graduated? Um, so at that time, uh, basically I started working part-time for a different church. My wife was a full-time school teacher and I was also taking care of our son, Caleb full-time. Um, so okay. So then after a few years, uh, my wife was transitioning out of teaching and I got involved in sales. Uh, that's how I started selling life insurance. And I was actually prospecting, you know, all over the place, you know, going to different meetups or whatever. And there was this marketing and sales meetup held at Benzinga. Um, and so that was the first time I heard of Benzinga. I just showed up just to meet people and find out about sales and marketing. Um, and so I was like, you know, these are cool people. You know, I'd be interested in, in working here. And so I talked with Patrick Lane. He was the first person I talked to. And 
uh, he set set up a call with another sales manager. Was he at was he at the meetup? He was. I met I met you actually. Um, I met Bert and I met Patrick. Okay. All, all at that meetup. Got it. And, and, and Luke. Luke wait, is and, offended because I didn't mention him. Okay. So <laughs> tell him to get back to work. Okay. So um, you went to the sales meetup, and this is where I this is interesting. So you got into doing some sales, and you were doing the volunteering stuff, and you did life insurance. When you came to the sales meetup, were you selling life insurance at the time? Yeah, I was. I was. I was still working uh, on that, and but it wasn't going so great. Um, so I was looking for some other gig. And when you say it wasn't going so great, was it because the market was slow? You didn't like it? What was it? Because here's the thing that I see in a lot of people sometimes they something's not going great, and you have a few options. Either you have to you have to choose. Do you want to, you know, meet the challenge and like try to figure out another way, or it's not going great, and you also don't like what you're doing at all, and so you want to move on to something else. Yeah, I mean, I didn't hate it. I just wasn't, it was my first sales gig. And in that company, everybody was an independent contractor and there wasn't enough structure, I think. So not enough discipline on my part. Um, and so I did really well the first three months and then I just wasn't disciplined enough and I was losing money. I was burning through cash. So uh, you're so burning I, through cash. Do you mean, why do you say that? Are you saying, cause you spent, you spent money or you needed to pay bills and stuff? I needed to pay a bill. I wasn't yeah. making enough money. Yeah, I got it, got it. I sucked. I mean, <laughs> that was basically it. Uh, and got so it. I didn't hate sales, um, but I knew I needed something different. Yep, got it. I want to remind people we're with Jonathan Mallard, sales director for Benzinga Pro. That's benzingapro.com. So you, you, where we're at is Mallard. You came into a sales meetup at Benzinga. Did you, right away, you met some people? Did you join us like a few weeks later or how did it work out? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, they set up a call uh, maybe within the next week or two after that meetup, and the call went really well. I had a sense of urgency in just finding something that would work out. So I just asked the right questions on the interview, like, hey, when are you guys going to follow up with me? And, and, uh, and they asked, well, you know, if, what does it have to, you know, how long do you have? And I said, you know, I'll probably move on to another opportunity within the next two weeks. Um, and so it was just, it was, it was just a good match because even though there wasn't a firm job description ready for me when I came in, uh, I think they just saw that, that I was ready to go and it was a good learning experience. Yeah, no, I hear you on that. And I'd like that move of saying, I'm going to move on to something else in the next week or two or whatever. Another method people can do out there, if they're looking for an opportunity, they find the company, you could literally say, guys, if you don't mind, just let me come in for a few days. You don't need to pay me. Just let me just hang out and like see the culture or see this or then see what I can do. And it's not, it's, it's not, the idea is not to force for free labor at all. Like that's not at all. It's the idea of you wanting to, the opportunity. There was a job a long time ago that I wanted. It's actually how I met Dan Gilbert way back when. And they had me do a project and this project took me three weeks and I had to spend money on it to hire people to help me do the financial modeling. So I didn't, I wasn't investment banking at the time and I didn't know how to do the modeling. I did all that work for free. Like I spent money and spent three weeks. I did all for free because I wanted the opportunity. And I think a lot of times people want opportunities and they don't go that extra length to to prove it. Now your case is different. You you know, they, we moved fast and everything. And like, it's just, 
you just never know is what my point. You never know. Um, but how'd it go when you started here is what I'm saying. Like the first few weeks, how was that? Was that total like it was a culture wild. shock? Was it a culture shock? Cause I know you and I have had our conversations cause I'm always like, you know, right. radical candor and like seek to understand first. And so we had like our moments and, uh, you right. know, and we can be frank about it. We did. I mean, we haven't had MLS in a, in a long time, but you know, the seek to understand and the, the clarity, because the funny thing is like a business and a sports team are very similar. And like, to me, like we're all on the same, I don't want to say the lions cause they're not too good, but we're all on the same, same football team. Right. We're all on the same football team. We have an offense, defense, special teams. Right. And some things like, weren't moving as fast and you were getting frustrated as I was, but you're the thing, you know, you just, you never know who the bottleneck is. I don't know. Tell us a little bit about your, we have about six minutes left. Tell us about like your beginning days here and like some of that culture shock. And then, yeah. uh, then I'll get, and then we can talk a little bit about the later days and what's going on now. Yeah. Um, so I started cold calling hedge funds, trying to sell them our alternative data products. And it was very much like a, um, immediately introduced me to the culture of, uh, you know, take action first and figure out all the details later. I mean, uh, there's the strengths and weaknesses in, in being organized before you jump into something. And, you know, that was a, that was a growth area for me where I just needed to take action, take it faster, um, and, and then learn through that experience. So, uh, that was really good training for me. It kind of made me who I am today. Um, and then when I switched over to working on Benzinga Pro some more, it enabled me to make a higher frequency um, or, you know, more calls in a shorter period of time and just get more and more comfortable with sales and uh, figure, figuring stuff out along the way. So, um, and there's, I can definitely see points along the way in the past two and a half years where whether it's for the Benzinga Pro product or for the licensing product, uh, we just keep working at it and then finding innovations along the way on how we do things. Yep. And Jonathan, if someone listening wants to test out Benzinga Pro, how can they reach you? Yeah, they can uh, reach us. I mean, anyone can test it for free at pro.benzinga.com. Um, or, you know, they can always reach out to our team at 313-915-5155. Yep, 313-915-5155. Got it, okay. So you, you came here and you've been to other places. How does our culture, and I know you're talking to me, and so I, I really, it's like I'm not trying to like, I want you to be truthful. like. Do mm -hmm. you have ability to experiment and innovate at our company? Um, oh yeah. Like, do you, like, you know, when you, I was laughing when you said that when you were doing the life insurance thing, you didn't have much process or you weren't self-disciplined enough or there wasn't much stuff in place. And I was laughing because I would argue here that we need a lot more process in place. We need a lot more analytics in place, you know, and part of it is the way I started the company was, you know, I, beg, borrowed and steal, you know, like steal them, went, went after business and didn't put pro. And so I thought I'd hire people like myself that just, you know, hustle or scrappy and figure out a way to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And I learned over time, that's not ideal for everyone. And so people like you have helped put some more organization in the place and, mm -hmm. you know, do manuals and stuff, but tell, tell us what you like about it or don't like and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, it was definitely a stressor early, earlier on, but 
I think a lot of people who are coming from non-startup roles, um, they they don't they don't understand what it's like to be a part of a startup, or you know, and, and so that's something where I really gained a lot of respect for you, Jason. You know, over the years, um, and the other builders here uh, that really built this company into what it is. Just realizing, you know, it's hard. It's hard to build a company from the ground up. I was like, hey, yeah, uh, this or that is sort of crazy. But if we didn't have seemingly crazy people who were willing to do seemingly crazy things, then we wouldn't be here as a company or we wouldn't be the company that we are today. So that's, you know, we're eight digit business now and it's a different thing that gets you from uh, the first base to second base that get, you know, or first inning to third inning or whatever you want to say. Mm -hmm. And we take a day one approach to how we approach things. But like, there's so many things that we can improve upon and fix and grow and then move faster on, you know, one of the things yeah. that I know you and I hit on is product and development. And I know we're excited about that, but like we want it yesterday because there's so many problems that aren't being solved out there. And you know, one of the reasons I wanted you on the first show is because someone like you, I've seen the maturation process from someone that came on and you know, you, I know you're doing life insurance on your own. So it was, this was a lot more structure in that regard, but also like sometimes like, well, why aren't we doing this? And mm -hmm. like, you think and you're, it's almost like you're thinking, Jason doesn't want to do this, or I don't want to do not third person do, but I don't want to do this. But when you mm -hmm. seek to understand, it's like, you just haven't got to it. And we need people like you to take the helm and drive it because money follows. It doesn't lead money mm -hmm. follows. It doesn't lead. And what that means is it's a, uh, it's important is that you build the thing and potentially big dividends can come from it. But if you don't, there's no dividend. So the first Benzinga right. pro was bad. It didn't do a lot of things. And you build and you're like hoping and you know, our future pipeline, we think will be 10 X what it is today in terms of opportunity or hundred X mm -hmm. actually not 10 X it's people like you to, cause we're all going to get burned out in life at certain things that we're doing. Just like when you were in school and you didn't like whatever, or this, mm -hmm. we're all going to get burnt out. And I, I like companies like this versus working at a big, big company is because I can rotate, I can rotate and pursue it. And what you said, Jonathan, I just wish everyone would hear is that you had to learn more about just doing and not having all the facts together. Like yeah. people say to me like, oh, licensing or this or that, or um, I got to read. That. No, you just got to do. And startup founders who reach out to me, they like say, what book I should read? What book sh should I read? I'll tell them. But what I, but what I want to say is close that book. Don't read that book. Don't right. just go do and fail, go do and make mistakes. I had a, you know, and that's what it comes down to, uh, Jonathan. Mm -hmm. And if we're not failing or making mistakes and we're not doing enough experiments, Jonathan's doing very well here and the company is growing and doing really well. And the company can't grow and do really well without amazing people like a Jonathan Mallard. And I like that in the beginning, Thank we kind of, we kind of, it's true. I like in the beginning that we kind of butted heads, you know, partly why uh, I like it is because that means you cared. You know, it means you cared, but I also cared too, you know? And so, but it means you cared and then you seek to understand. And we all need pushes sometimes like I, we need pushes. So I want people to come to me and say, you know, Jason, if we had that, like, and get, and get a little adamant of, um, um, animated, yeah, I'm not mm -hmm. opposed to that. It, 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 it's better in person than over, you know, people resort to this text messaging and Slack and all these things too much. If you have a thing to talk about, that's like, Hey, this is a, uh, one of those moments that could really change us. 
do it on the phone, do it in person, do it on zoom, do it on whatever, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Like that's I, like, cause arguably Jonathan, if we just did it on email or whatever, who knows what would have been right. So I'm glad. It's a lot, it's a lot easier just to cut off communication and walk away when yeah. really you need to kind of be uh, settled in that uncomfortable state of like, no, we, we need to stay here and figure this out. Yeah. And look at, look what it's done. I mean, look what it's mm-hmm. done. That's 18 months ago, 20 months ago. And look what it's done. I mean, yeah. like the numbers that Benzinga does right now, I mean, it's incredible, you know, and that's why with Benzinga, you're just going to keep, you know, you find the wall and you break through it. That's the thing. There's gonna be a lot of walls and a lot of negative things. It's the people that break through it and find the ways and, you know, be it what it may, like, wherever it is you can find solutions to stuff and there's people out there that have done similar things and you go reach out to them you are hard you're a hard worker that's i get it all right um you're a hard worker doing that and now you're building something that you're not just like an employee you're building something you own the outcome of it and it's like people talk about time off these days and you can take time off but like i bet you jonathan's thinking about stuff all the time and trying to build you know the right product and the right things to triple, quadruple sales, double is income, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So any, any last parting words for advice for someone listening to this and, and looking to build the next great thing? Uh, whatever role you're in right now, whatever company you're working for, take a step back and try to treat it like your company. And, and look at however you can add the most value and take headaches away from the people who are above you at your company. If you treat if you treat it with ownership and take extreme ownership for things that are going on instead of making excuses, then eventually people are going to recognize that and it's going to pay you dividends in one way or another. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's my advice. All right. No, that's great. That is great. Jonathan Mallard, sales director for Benzinga pro. We are so glad you could come on the Raz report today. And you, by the way, he's on the sales floor. There's other people around there. Jonathan likes to stand on his phone calls and he's there to help. And uh, if you ever need anything, you can also email him at VIP accounts at Benzinga.com. That's V as in Victor, IP accounts at Benzinga.com. All right. Thank you and have a great day.